It's going to make your beard stronger? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. For sure, did a study on it. It's like when you turn a tree. All right. Let's see. Okay, let's see. Already? I'm trying to giving this some thought, seeing how best to present this. Um, okay. Um, knowledge of God. Right up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If we're saying he has an existence, and if by existence we mean something. We mean something that's not gibberish, which I'm not sure. Are we that's saying what? gibberish? Gibberish, right? In the, in the uh, if his, if if the word existence referring to God has nothing to do with what we normally call existence, then it's effectively gibberish, right? Right. So if it's not gibberish, we know it's nothing else. We, we can say it's just existence. Well, 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 yeah. So I mean, that's the problem. We can't use the word existence even because that would not be accurate. So what is it? What are we left with? Right. I don't know if I decoded all of what you're saying, but I feel like I got most of it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So that's what I think. That's what I think he's, he's, um, he is um, really trying to express over here. That's what I think he's really trying to express over here. Okay. All right. So what do you guys want to have to say? Yeah, so, um, oh, one second. Yeah, it's like uh, you can't have like knowledge with an empty set. It's going to be like an empty set, like God's existence, but remove everything you know from that. So then it's like, uh, like yeah, just then, then the word has no meaning. So then what, what am I left knowing, right? What am I left knowing? And if you're going to say, well, it's just that intellectual, this is what you're getting at a little bit more. You say, well, it's just that intellectual recognition that there's something that you can't know. But that's not a quality. That's not a, uh, that, that seems to be lacking in the description of, of the religious, of, of the God of, of, of Torah. Because in the God of Torah, it's it's uh, it's an existence that has all kinds of uh, ideas, all kinds of qualities. We 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 we, we praise his his chachma, his gvura, tagibor. We say all of these things. So you see that we do demand some kind of a knowledge of of it does seem to be some kind of a knowledge of existence of what that existence is. But on the other hand, we we can't have any knowledge of it. So how is it? How how are these two things possible? How is it possible to have a um, to say on the one hand that his existence is completely unknowable, right? And yet you have to know about him all of these, you have to have all of these ideas that are related to, to this existence. But this existence is, you're telling me, negates all of these ideas. So it just becomes like a, um, in terms of, it seems like this, in terms of what he really is, we can't know. And all of these things are not really his existence. 
So we, we wind up not having any true idea. Yeah, but you just said a gadol hagibavanora, right? They say that. I wasn't the first, though. <laughs> but you can distinguish between knowing what he. And then, and then we'll throw in Yaakov's question. And where does negative knowledge fit into all of this? Because we seem to think that that's an important idea here. Yeah. So, so let, let, let me tell you the way uh, what, what I think Albo is trying to introduce over here. Let's take let's take my initial example and say, how do we know things to begin with? How do we know anything in the world? Right? What's the process of our knowledge? Uh, let's take uh, atom, electron. Right. So the truth of the matter is, right, and this is something that, that the Ron uh, makes mention of, but it's 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 a it's a it's a self evident truth practically that we don't have any knowledge of anything for what it actually is, right? Yaakov, I'm sure you've heard me say this many times, right? What do we have? What's the only knowledge that we have of anything? It's interactions, right? We only know interactions of things. We, we can't study an electron. We can't study uh, your mind. We can't study anything for what it truly, truly is. It's underlying reality. Okay, it's certainly fundamental things. Right. All we can do is we can uh, throw things at them, right, and see uh, how they bounce off, or we can see how they react, right. We can't really study matter. We can only study interactions of matter. Because first of all, we only get our knowledge through interactions, right. We only get sensory perception somewhere along the line. It's some kind of a sensory perception, right. And even even in the the big uh, CERN, you guys are uh, CERN guys, right? They uh, so what do they do? They're just smashing things together and uh, seeing uh, what uh, the high energy uh, puts out. But basically, no one's able to take the thing and just know it. Right? You know, you're not able to take anything and just know it, right? You, you have to observe how it behaves maybe develop a hypothesis about what's causing its behavior and then put it under conditions to test those things. Right. So we're always in, we're always testing. We're always, we're always gaining knowledge in the physical world through interactions. How does something interact? Newton studying light. So, well, how does it move through glass? You know, why does it come out colors and then go in uh, white? You know, the, well, the glass was some way that he was able to tease out, you know, an interaction. They demonstrated certain properties through how it uh, it traveled, right? He was wrong on that, but but it was good theory. But um, but um, the point is, we we need to we need to analyze things through their interactions. But but. What's interesting is, at the end of the day, Chaim, you want to challenge that question? Ah, so that's, that's exactly the point. So, but in, phys- in the physical world, after I've gone through all of the series of testing, right, I come back and I say, that's what it is. You understand? I say, ah, I've tested this particle. I've tested this uh, 
material, I tested this, uh, you know, psychological uh, faculty, whatever it is, and I've resolved and I say, ah, that's what this object is. That's what it's, it's a type of energy. It's a type of material. It's a type of emotion, whatever the thing is. And then I'll give it particular details. And I have therefore seen its interactions and defined it by those interactions. You understand? I'll define it by those interactions. I'll say, that's what an electron is. It's a thing who has these kinds of properties and does X, Y, and Z. You understand? You're saying that's not, that itself is not even knowing. <clears throat> well, that, that's the most we can say. That's, that's our greatest knowledge. We, right, we'll still never really, really see it kind of like for what it truly is. Why is that true? Because we're limited to interactions. It's the only way we can access knowledge of a, of a thing. Because it has to hit our eyes. We have to, we can't just mind meld with something. You know what I mean? We have to kind of interact with it. And I know this table is solid. How do I know it's solid? Because my hand is smashing on it, not going through it. That's exactly what we mean by it, right? Um, but it happens to be just Agavorka. Uh, that's what, in that, in that Ran, in the Drusha Ran, I think it's the first Drusha, he says, when Chazal discussed the secrets that they consider Mysabracious, he says, Mysabracious is referring to that kind of knowledge. The knowledge, like, uh, like the knowledge from the Creator. Like what God's knowledge of the thing is. Because God knows a thing without interacting. You understand? It's not possible for man. Not possible for man without some kind of mirror. Without some, that's why he held it was, as of the Ron, there's a very beautiful Ron over there. He says, anything you learn from science is by definition not my subracious. Because my subracious implies from the tzad of the, of the Asiya, like the creation, like the I think he uses the term as like, it's like, it'd be like the malachs, like a malachs knowledge of what it is. Something along those lines. Uh, Ram seems to disagree with that, but uh, he, he, that, that's his definition. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful definition. And it really strikes at the heart of the limit of human knowledge and the nature of human knowledge of the physical world through interactions. But the point I'm making again is, after all of the testing, I come around and I say, these results define it that's what it is now it's an interesting thing i'll get to you in a second it's an interesting thing when i define something what am i what am i doing by definition <laughs> I, I, i'm it's it when i define something i'm limiting it i'm limiting it i'm saying this is what it is and nothing more it's the sum total of these qualities. It's the sum total of these characteristics. It does X, Y, and Z, and that's why it's what it is. You understand? That's it. Good. Is that then we get more or less? We'll just say. Then, more or less than the same or what? Then what? That's the most you can know. That's the most you can know. Right? Of a thing. That's all you know. That's the most you can know. I can say, I have. Uh, I'm saying the theory is. Yeah, the theory is the most. Oh, no, no. The most, most would be the mysobracious, but we don't have that access to them. I was saying the interactions, as opposed to taking the interactions and coming up with a theory. Don't oh, you know a bit more with the theory? With the theory. Yes, but I'm saying at the end of the day, the theory comes out to be saying 
all of these interactions, all of these uh, expressions, all of these properties define what it is. And I'm just adding by saying it defines what it is, it limits it because it's nothing more. Right? It limits it. It's nothing more. What, what if your no, definition no, can't be? I'm not putting it, it down. It's more universal, doesn't it? It's not more universal than the universals <clears throat> that I that I show that, that, that I can define it by. You know, so I'm saying like I could say the electromagnetic phenom the the uh, electromagnetic <clears throat> phenomenon is X Y and Z, but it's not something else. Right? What do you mean you're limiting it? When, when you're defining it, it, you could be precise about what it is. When you exactly. say you're limiting it, you're, you're not saying you're missing some out on something no. about it when you're defining it. No. Okay. It is, because it is truly limited. Right? I'm saying like this. You start out, in a certain sense, you start out not knowing anything. Impos many, many possibilities of what it is. Right? And then I say, no. I precisely can tell you this is exactly what it is. That's a good definition, and it puts it into a certain box, and that's it. That's what it is, right? Nothing more. It's like, uh, like uh, Feynman said, I think he said, that people think when you learn more science, you have more possibilities. There's no truth in that. When you learn more science, you have more limitations. You know you cannot have anti-gravity shoes. He says, you might have read a science fiction book and thought you could put on certain boots that will help you float anti-gravity boots, but when you learn about science, you know, you learn this, that's simply a, a physical impossibility. So I have now limited, I, I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm, I'm saying it because I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to, uh, it's going to, uh, I'm doing it uh, by way of comparison. Yeah, I'm just stressing it now because it's supposed to be later. Yeah, but before you define. So, so what I'm saying, so I want to say is like this. I want, what I'm trying to demonstrate here is as follows. That the truth of the matter is, this is the idea that Alvo, I think, is trying to show us, that when we, when we approach knowledge of God, knowledge of God's existence, right, he says, we don't do it mitzad uh, mahuso, right? We can't directly go to his essence and try to and comprehend it and behold it, right? That's beyond any kind of knowledge it's beyond our ability to understand but we do approach it through what he calls his actions right um he says it is mitzad hayoso poel and okay but the point is like this when you study god's creation and his actions so in a similar sense, we'll say, ah, I see tremendous wisdom, for instance, in this creation. Therefore, I can tell that the source of this must also be, must be some intelligence, okay? And, but the point is like this, I'm going to try to express this clearly but the point is like this by scientific inquiry we ended our we ended our uh, our analysis by saying here are here's what i see here are the 
outcomes, here are the interactions, that's what it is, okay? But by God, we have to start off with the premise. We start off with the premise that what God, what he actually is, his true existence is beyond knowledge and beyond limitation, beyond definition, beyond limitation. And that's what I mean to say. Definition is going to be limitation because you're going to be putting it into some kind of a box and framework. So when it comes to our, the process of knowledge of God's existence, what we do is, on the one hand, we know that we can't understand his existence. Uh, we can't, uh, it, that's beyond the realm of human knowledge. What, what his true existence is, is his true essence, and that's completely unknowable. But on the other hand, we can say, ah, but we see, so to speak, an interaction. We see how God interacts with the universe. The most obvious is the creation of the universe, okay? So maybe interaction is not the perfect word. I don't want to, all of these are a little bit uh, homonymous, if you know what I mean. But, um, but the point is, I have to go like this. I say, I have to make a slight change in the way I describe it. When I was discussing the atom, I'll say the atom is interacting with the rest of the world, okay? But from the standpoint of Akash Baruch Hu, I can't truly say that, right? Because it's not really, he's not a natural phenomenon that's simply just interacting, right? He's beyond such a description. All I can say is that from the universe, from Hashkocha, from uh, Torah, I can see displays of Akash Baruch Hu, okay? And from those displays, okay, I can infer something about the nature, something about the source. But I can never come around and say, and that's what he is. You understand? So I have to really, I think that's what that's the album is trying to get at. Saying on the one hand, he's because he's describing these two, this paradox says, the reality is his mahus is unknowable. What he is is unknowable. But on the other hand, the proper derech to knowing him is through his actions. But, 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 and, and this comes back to the, to the negation idea. This is truly, I think, is this is really the proper understanding of the negation idea. That we can look at the wisdom in creation. We can look at the chesed in the world, and we can say, and we can relate now to the source of that with a certain, in, in a certain, in a true sense, we can relate from our framework, we can relate to the source of that as the most magnificent entity, but, but recognizing that we cannot posit these things as true attributes because that would be like putting God into a scientific study and, and, and defining and limiting. So we have to have this, this tension. We have to have this uh, sort of like a, and that's kind of like what we mean by negation. We say, I see the wisdom in the universe. I see the displays of fantastic knowledge and wisdom in the universe 
Therefore, I must say about this source that he is not lacking any, and that he has no defect in the realm, in this realm. We can't turn around and define because that would be positing and limiting. But we can, on our from our own vantage point, recognize that when we say chacham, chachma, we mean negating any. Any, any deficiency of, uh, in, in that realm. But to, to turn around and say, and that's what he is, that would violate the first premise of his mahus being beyond knowledge. So that, I think, is what Alvo is trying to express over here. That, um, that we, have, we must have both of these concepts. We must recognize at the same time that his existence is is a yesod, but we can never posit any positive, we can never posit anything in terms of definition and limitation. And the only way we can relate to, the, to that existence is by his displays of certain, certain magnificent displays that put us in a certain state of awe, put us in a certain state of, of, of humility. And I just, I just want to read you a couple of quotes. Howie mentioned Einstein, happened to have a little Einstein quote on me. So he said like this. I, I'm generally um, you know, skeptical of quotes. So this one I checked out. It's actually an actual quote. Okay. Anyone can go on a website and say this is a quote. So this one, I, if you want the source, I can give it to it. He says, a knowledge of the existence of something we cannot penetrate. Our perceptions of the profoundest reason and the most radiant beauty, which only in their most primitive forms are accessible to our minds. Okay. It is this knowledge and this emotion that constitutes true religiosity. In this sense, and only this sense, I am a deeply religious man. I am satisfied with the mysteries of life's eternity and with the knowledge a sense of the marvelous structure of existence, as well as the humble attempt to understand even a tiny portion of the reason, capital R, that manifests itself in nature. So Einstein was a person who was able to look at nature, look at the universe, look at the structure, look at the harmony, look at the beauty, and recognize that there is a profound reason behind it. There's a profound source. Okay. I'm not claiming Einstein was a religious man. He had this idea of a, I'm sure Marshall uh, could, uh, knows about this. You know, my father, uh, so I took a look at the essay. I think it's called the, the Torah and Reason. Uh, looking at it recently. He, he has this, uh, he has some of this quote there too. But um, uh, there is a, he had a certain appreciation that, um, that Albo is going to discuss. That, and that derech to a yidiyah. Studying through the creation, through nature, and seeing the, that this is the handiwork of, of a, uh, this is a display of some of the, this is a display of, of, of wisdom and reason. And to recognize and to be humble that we just have a tiny, we just understand a tiny portion. Now, I just want to read you one, uh, uh, another uh, quote, shifting gears a little bit, from uh, Chovas Levos, okay? And then, and then I'll take a quick look at the album. He says like this. 
since this is in the end of chapter 10 in the treatise on uh, unity, first treatise, okay? Since it is not possible for us to perceive the creator through our senses, we can only know him through true reports, that means Masora, or from proofs of him based on the evidence of his deeds, okay? And then he goes on to say, um, since the proofs drawn from the evidence of his deeds in the creations are established and greatly numerous, therefore the attributes ascribed to him because of them are also numerous. All right, he goes through some things. He says, like this. this is the part I want you to read. He says, um, that God possesses these attributes. He just described them, Racham and all those things, Chachma. We see from the evidence of his deeds towards his creations and also from the wisdom and power which his deeds reflect. And if we investigate this matter with our intellect and understanding, okay, we will fail to grasp the smallest of the smallest of part of his attributes. As David said, many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done and your thoughts, which are towards us. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? And blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Therefore, listen to the way it says, you should exert your mind until you know the creator through the evidences of his works and not strive to know him in his glorious essence. For he is exceedingly close to you from the side of his deeds, but infinitely remote in any representation of his essence or comparison with it. As we have stated, we will never be able to find him in this way. Right? That was through his essence. When you arrive at the stage where you abandon trying to find him through your thought and senses because he cannot be grasped in this way, and you instead find him in the evidence of his deeds as though he were inseparable from you, this is the pinnacle of knowledge of him, which the prophet exhorts us uh, on in saying, Know therefore this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and, uh, and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Okay. Um, there was another line there, but I missed it. Okay, anyway, so so that's what Albo is going through. He wants to go through now and show you that you have to study nature in order to see this, in order to understand and kind of point at the source of this wisdom and knowledge, and that's our understanding. That's our knowledge of of, of God's existence. Now, he makes an interesting point. I don't, I'm not going to go through it in detail because I'm not, I'm not sure if you need me to read you things. But um, basically, his point is he has an interesting point. He says, you go through Barchinashi, he wants to say, you'll see a, tr- a progression. And he starts off with big things, right? Like the Shomayim. But then he switches gears down to the smallest creatures. And, and Albo makes an interesting point. I'll read this to you. He says, if you want to see the the the, the uh, you want to see the Mailasuman, the expertise of the craftsman, right? His 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 great abilities, then you can look at uh, his works in two ways. Okay, Mitzad Hayoso Poel Poel Nifla V'Choshev B'Chomer Nichbod Umuli. You can look at his grand structures, the Eiffel Tower. Uh, you know, what do you call Statue of Liberty, grand, impressive skyscrapers, impressive structures. Okay, 
that the poel hahu anichbad hu poel nichbad. If you can make such a grand structure, you must be a great architect. You must be a great designer. You must be a great engineer. Okay. Or he gives the example like making things out of gold and precious stones. Like those things are impressive, right? And you have to have a great skill in order to do that. You have to have great imagination, great, great uh, ability and talent. He says, but in a certain sense, since you're starting out with such fantastic materials, it's a little, in a certain sense, it's a little easier because those materials lend themselves to different, I mean, gold is precious because it's malleable. I mean, you can't make, uh, what you can make out of gold is, uh, is, um, you know, you can make more things out of those precious materials because of certain qualities. He says, but if you want to see how, how great a craftsman is just in terms of his craftsmanship, see what he can do with inferior materials, right? A guy might be able to take gold and diamonds and precious uh, so, you know, rubies and, and make a beautifully ornate uh, jewel uh, some some sort of crown. But that's because the materials themselves lend themselves to that already. But and take a really great craftsman to take, you know, uh, iron and make it look like uh, something spectacular. Okay, this is Derek Marshall. So he says, Aristotle mentioned this, this too. Because when you want to study nature, so if you want to see the real chachma in nature, study the smallest parts of nature. Some people are attracted to the, to nature just emotionally. They like, they like the big, you know, phenomenal a giraffe, a, a whale, you know, it's like <clears throat> impressive. And they're attracted to that outward, uh, those outward qualities. But if you really want to see Chachma, if you really want to see Chachma, he says, you should look at the, at the worms, right? Just, you should look at the most, at the most disgusting things. <laughs> he says, then you know you're interested in Chachma. Because uh, other people just, it, there's a certain ego. There's a certain ego. A person feels, it's a silly thing, but it's true. You feel like kind of like identified with what you study in a certain sense. You know, I mean, you study something magnificent. What do you, what do, you do? I study, uh, the, you know, disgusting, uh, you know, uh, sewer, uh, you know, dung beetles. You know, that's just like, ugh, kind of gross, kind of gross person I am. So he's saying, yeah, but that's just like emotional stuff. You know, I mean, that's people just impressed with, with the look of a thing or, or a certain grandeur. But, but that's in the product. If you want to study the Chachma of the maker, you should really look at, at the way the smallest, most in, you know, insignificant kind of an object works because it's harder to pack all of that <laughs> Knowledge and and, uh, and 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 practicality and uh, into that. So, so that's what he wants to say. He wants to say in Baruch he switches to to the um, to the lower things, and he quotes a fantastic um, uh, statement in Parak Shira. Parak Shira it says Shrotzim Mahem Omen. Parak Shira, you know, goes through all the animals. What they say. What do the What do the worms say? They say Yehi Chod Hashem Liolam Yismach Hashem V'Maso. The worm, that's what the worm says. Because you want to look at me, you'll see real Chachmas. Now, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing. 
you know, when you look at the uh, most of the works that you see in the of the, of the medieval, you know, the Jewish philosophers, you know, they, they, they always they always quote, of course, a Shemayim Asafim for and of course, the heavens and the cosmos definitely are are, are amazing uh, creations and demonstrate tremendous chachma. But um, the truth of the matter is, though. The Chachma in the universe as a whole is very different. I mean, most of the structure that you see in the universe is not, is not a creation. I mean, the galaxies are beautiful, but it's just, you know, the laws of gravitation. They're just going to make those pinwheels look that way. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no design in the structure of a, of a galaxy, even though it has a beauty, it might, might look pretty. So in terms of the universe as a whole, where you see Chachma, of course, and there are many, many books on this subject and, and uh, you know, articles, uh, is in terms of now we have the ideas of, of, of creation, of a starting point, of, of, of a yesh me'ayin, essentially. You have, uh, and, and of course, all of those forces that are exactly in line, exactly uh, you know, fine-tuned, so to speak, to allow for everything to exist. If, you know, there's a book I saw called The Just Six Numbers. You go through six constants. If any one of them was a little bit off, you know, matter wouldn't clump together, the electrons would fly, whatever it is. So, of course, you know, those are, that demonstrates a tremendous uh, chachma. But I think Albo is right. I think Albo is right. I think you want to see, you really, you want to see chachma Hashem. You want to see a tremendous niflos. Look at the mo- the smallest parts of life, the smallest part of life, and if you really go to the smallest part, the DNA molecules, the, the the way a DNA works, the way the way that one single cell regulates its own homeostasis. I mean, the functions of a cell they don't even have they're not even they're just barely scratching the surface on what's going on over there, and it's it's phenomenal. Uh, the the way the body works on a molecular on a you know uh, on a uh, chemical uh, what do you call it? a uh, biochemical level it's phenomenal it's phenomenal uh, the way the DNA opens and, uh, and and fixes itself and whatever but I think Albo is right I think I think that people always like to look at the the heavens but you want to see you want to see precision you want to see ingenuity a couple of molecules and everything you have everything we see from a couple of uh what is it uh how many how many uh, pairs and the uh six different uh things a c t g the four things so um that's it right that's tremendous uh so that's what you say so you look at that and um and, and from that you say the um from that we can say, ah, the source of this tremendous chachma that we see is not defined by it, but demonstrates a reality and a, and a, and it flows beyond what we can even imagine. Must be beyond. Understand? That I think is um, is is the uh, is what he's trying to say. Okay. Any questions? Yeah, fine. Uh, can I just ask on the main point about God's knowledge? 
God's knowledge? No, our knowledge of God. Yeah. So you're saying that through studying the universe, I mean, this place uh, evident. In terms of the negative knowledge, like this, that we, we can see the Chachmah, and we, but we can't turn around and we say the source of this creation that displays all of this Chachmah cannot be lacking anything in the realm of what we call knowledge. In other words, but to say he is definitively wise, definition is limitation. And that we can't do. And that would be positing a quality and attributing positive knowledge to his existence, which, which would be false and limiting. So the only thing we say is we know that we know that we have something that we call knowledge that allows us to be creative and uh, and uh, and do certain uh, and perform certain functions. The creator of this universe is not lacking any of those abilities. There's nothing that is not like, but we can't turn around and positively, positively assign the, the quality. So what do we 